about to hear is an account of the tragedy which befell a group of three gentlemen, in particular Carlos Cooper and his emotionally stunted friends Joe and Dave. It is all the more tragic in that they were so immature. But had they lived very, very long lives, they could not have expected nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see that day. For them, an idyllic fall evening recording session became a nightmare. The events of that day were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history, the Texas Podcast Massacre. I don't think we need to do the other one. Yeah. Yeah. Crushed it. That's it. You said our names. It's all good. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We're in the show. There we go. We're in the show. You sounded just like John Larroquette. Yeah. Well, I was going for that. It was the years of watching Night Court that prepped Uh, me for that. But welcome to Beer in a Movie. That was fantastic, David. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you. The podcast has begun. Yeah, I like it when you bring material. It's always fun. Well, this one was so... I mean, I was re-watching, mm-hmm. and we'll get to that, but I was re-watching it. In that intro, I was like, oh, all I'd have to do is tweak a few things, and it would fit us, and we are the Texas podcast. We, we are. Here we are, a landmark episode in the history of All Horror October. This time last year, we were doing Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street in one big episode, and we thought, of course, this year for All All Horror... All Horror October, we have to do some of those classics that we, that most of us grew up with, and that's our agenda today. Well, and we threw it out to the fans. That's right. right? This was, you know, the fans get it. They understand what the all horror October formula is, and this one was just gift wrapped for us with mm-hmm. a pretty little ribbon how could we not pick this up and the films we'll be discussing tonight are so horrific that we cannot pause for one second longer without getting some beer in our glasses just to steal our nerves yes. yeah this Absolutely. is true um yeah this episode courtesy of kyle ferguson oh. shouts out super fan super fan um good dude horror buff. and and as far as having your horror curator uh be, be he's a kyle good one ferguson, he's probably the best i know all right, so the uh, so Sunday I went to go pick up some coffee from Lucy's, and I saw this there. I didn't know that they had it, and I was like, oh, I have to buy this. Um, it is the Mr. Mingo Raspberry Edition from Jester King. What is the Mr. Mingo Raspberry Edition, you ask me? Um, <laughs> this is a, a farmhouse ale mm. uh, brewed with hibiscus and milk sugar, refermented with Tahitian, Tahitian vanilla beans and raspberry. Mr. Mingo is having a very good day. Uh, his planning is done and his tools are put away. The pool is uh, the pool has been inflated. Uh, his <laughs> uniform colorfully updated and his companions and refreshments are all within reach. The only beer arrival left to coordinate is that which goes from hand to mouth. Enjoy your respite, Mister Mingo, but do remember to reapply sunscreen. You're looking especially pink. Six point six percent. I can only hope that when you pour it here in just a second, it pours as thick as red blood. Ah, <laughs> well, you know, pretty it's good. Definitely red. Yeah, I wouldn't say thick or or you know, but it's yeah, it's a nice red hue. Uh, and I'm always excited to have some Jester King. In sure. fact, yeah, it's apropos that we're drinking a Texas beer. Right. Today. It seems like we we didn't even really hammer on that in making the selection, but I think had we not, we would have been pissed off at ourselves at missing the opportunity to have a Texas beer with perhaps 
the film that most <laughs> emblematically involves Texas in its title. That's right. You know, we had that Lambic last week that uh-huh. was fantastic. So uh, a return to, to the farmhouse style, the sour, spontaneous yes. ferment that Jester King, of course, is known for. And uh, they put together some fantastic adjuncts in this. Thanks, Carlos, for bringing yes, it. Yes, thank you, Carlos. Yeah, definitely excited to try this one. Six Texas six. Chainsaw massacre 1974 anyone wants to give a synopsis of this guy yeah i mean simple story you got some young people out on the road they run into a little trouble they they don't have enough gas to get along they're they're gonna have to camp out for a little bit at this old family homestead that they want to check out anyway and as they're poking around well they happen to meet some grisly characters. They do. Who, uh, yeah, yeah. There's a swimming hole if you go down that trail right there. <laughs> Don't go down the trail. <laughs> and uh, the two, the lovebirds that go down the trail, quickly meet Leatherface, uh, who dispatches one with a hammer and hangs the female on a meat hook. That's right. And Yikes. so begins the grisly horror of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This one, guys, I mean, you cannot deny the effect, the... Uh, the, the, the 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 splash that this made when it came out and yeah. i think that it changed horror and the direction of horror in america forever and we can probably start primarily with the idea of small budget to large return ratio mm-hmm. yeah yeah it definitely has that um even though it's not really until halloween that i feel like the industry really starts to believe in that mm-hmm. concept. That, that's probably true. Ha- it, Halloween was a bit more mainstream than this one was. And I was doing some reading on this. You know that they thought they were going to get a PG rating. Yes, on this? yeah, <laughs> that, that is that is some of the funniest <laughs> oh stuff about. God. But but this was you think about the Wild West, the, the New Hollywood era that this was kind of yeah. you know coming out of that. And Jaws had a PG rating, right? What what can we get yeah, away? No with? one gets well, hung on a meat hook in that movie. But, yeah, but but the way it's shot, right? Actually, I was thinking about that very scene. It is shot from the front where you do not see the hook piercing yeah. the yeah. body. Toby Hooper it's, said in an interview, I think there's two ounces of blood in the film. They don't show a lot of gore body horror right. a little bit a yeah. little bit i mean it's not to say that there isn't something very frightening about mm-hmm. seeing a large man with a what's supposed to be human skin mask running around with a chainsaw buzzing i mean well, it, it, before that i mean he's clocking people with this like big fucking hammer yeah. across True. the yeah. head yeah. i mean while the guys in the van um are discussing astrology as they're trying to get to the graveyard of one of their grandfathers and then to that grandfather's home they pick up a hitchhiker, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where we begin to see these elements of horror and, and impending horror come up. Mm-hmm. There is a slaughterhouse nearby. And we're told... Well, uh, there like, was a slaughterhouse right. nearby. We're, we're told again and again and again the, the the way animals are butchered and the way what he has seen and what his family has seen. There is isolation. They are out of gas and they cannot go any farther. They are stuck. Mm-hmm. You know, cabin in the woods kind of situation here. Um, there And then there is, like I said, the separation one at a time as they're dispatched one at a time, leaving only two. Right. And then... From the very beginning, the very the opening sequence and that noise that the flashbulb makes, I'm not doing a good job uh, mimicking it, but the images on the screen during the opening, it is setting you up for tension and unease yeah. from the very beginning. Sure. Yeah. 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 
No, it is. It, it's it's a vision of a world in trouble, right? I mean, right from the beginning, you get those news reports talking about the vandalism that's going on, the you know, the danger, and um, you know, they're there to check out this, you know, vandalism that's happened in the graves, and they, it, it, I mean, it's a spooky setup in in a sense, you know, kind of a classically spooky setup, but also one that's sort of couched in the idea of this world that's kind of crumbling, societies maybe reach some bad point i mean this is definitely this is just as vietnam is winding down right this has been a tumultuous period in american history there's a lot of uh you know negative feeling and we're rolling out of the i think what's so interesting about people like hooper and uh uh, romero and like they had been through the hippie era right they had done the counterculture thing and they didn't really see the returns and and there was sort of a if not nihilism a little bit of a well, what the fuck? That didn't work. <laughs> yeah, you know that that that's going on in, in something like this. Yeah. So going back to this idea that he was shocked when the film came back with an X rating, and going for the PG, you have to wonder, and the and the um, images put forth mm-hmm. by director Toby Hooper, this guy must be a madman. You know, <laughs> what an odd notion that this would get a PG while there is no a lot of spilling of blood. Yeah. It is not until the end. Gruesome and horrific the way that uh, Leatherface is, um, you know, muted. Uh, I guess he's he's got some learning disabilities, we're to assume, you know, not not assume. I guess it's kind of strictly said. Well, yeah, yeah. And that this old abattoir culture that lives in this family that we eventually meet everyone in it (laughs) is just. Macabre to to the point to where when I saw it and when she gets hung on that meat hook, not in a a Jason or Freddy way, but just a, I need to put you up on this meat hook while I tend to the other victim. Yeah. It's a decision of practicality. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And in the the background, she's writhing in, in what must be horrible agony couldn't imagine while he's using while he picks up the chainsaw for the very first time leatherface of course and and begins butchering her meat yeah uh, humans meat yeah and i remember seeing this when i saw it uh, at a slumber party or something as a kid and being deeply deeply affected and it was not one of the horror films that i went back to much this is the first time i've seen this movie in a very very long time oh really yeah yeah, yeah. i don't know if it's a fun one <laughs> right no, it's not there's no dancing freddy you know okay i i understand i understand it, it's not a happy movie it, it doesn't make me feel good but it, it's in its own way it's kind of a beautiful movie I mean, it really, it really is shot better than most horror films even yep. these days. Like the yeah. look of this film, and they were using 16 millimeter, uh-huh. but from what I understand, a very fine grain 16 millimeter that actually demanded a lot of lighting. They had to like light the shit out of this. Um, well, a lot of it's exterior they're doing, but but still, I mean, it looks beautiful. I yeah. mean, there's there were moments in it where I kind of paused it. And I was watching this at my desk. It was it was not ideal viewing situation, but actually ideal in the sense that I could like get myself to just pause it and sit there. And I was just looking at frames of the film at times, and just I mean the the closing shot, it, which is kind of silly in a way, 
And I remember laughing the first time, I, which I do a lot. You're talking about she's but, escaped and he starts doing the right, dance. Right, him flailing around with... I mean, you, all you have to do is dub in like somebody's voice like, whoa, you know, and it would be like a laugh. And that's what I do in my own head uh-huh. when I see something like that. To avoid but, nightmares, I understand. But then I freeze for it and it's just like, it's beautiful. Like the setting sun just right behind Even it. Though it's a rising or it's rising sun, sun sorry. Yeah, but a low in the sky sun. I, it seems like they shot it at dusk, not at dawn. Right. But like golden hour, yeah. kind of like beautiful. I mean, it's just, there's some real beautiful, beautiful moments. The shots up through the trees at certain, I mean, there's almost like a Terrence Malick element to this film. An incoherency. That, an incoherency. <laughs> I meant more like the fascination with the natural world. Yeah, and like just this, I mean, the landscape of Texas is part of at least this pocket of Texas. This mm-hmm. is central Texas. It was yeah. shot mostly in Round Rock or around... Mm-hmm. Bastrop. Yeah. yeah. North anyway. and East Austin. Yeah. You can uh, s- stay at that gas station. Mm. It's like kind of like a museum of well, sorts has, now. Has the house and been there, made into a restaurant? Uh, the, the, the house is picked up and moved. Yeah. Is it and operating then, as is a restaurant? Ne- it was, I didn't check that today to okay. see if it's still in operation, but... Yes, Last I heard, yeah. You, you that that like was a thing. There. Because yeah. they put a nice... You know, beautiful subdivision over the area right. where yeah. it was originally done. But, yeah, they, but they did somehow raise the funds to save the house as far as a yeah. Texas film iconic location. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's cabins behind that gas station. And okay. the back porch of those cabins goes just into this uh, seemingly never ending field. Mm-hmm. So when you're staying in them and you go out on your back porch at night, it's mm-hmm. just pitch blackness have you stayed there uh no my friend jake has he's okay. a big horror guy god uh, that kind of seems like something a, a you'd want a pilgrimage and do i mean i maybe, i very much want to I kylie should. does not <laughs> maybe maybe that's a beer in a movie weekend we go there for kylie, some beer in a movie bar. kylie was very turned off by the 15 minutes of uh just straight screaming that ends this film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, she screams for like fifteen straight minutes. I, I would too. Um, <laughs> if I, I mean, were her, sure. I yeah. Mean, no, I mean, given the situation, it's right. definitely. Yeah, and you know, so let's so let's talk about the situation Go a ahead. little bit because I think, like, you know, as far as plot, we've kind of gotten to most of it, I guess. But yeah. um, you know, the guy running the gas station is the patriarch of this weird family, and. You know, if we want to talk about the horror of this film, I feel mm-hmm. uh, we have to talk about the characters' motivations for these things that they're doing. Insofar as that there seemingly is none, you know, you have this family of cannibals, presumably, that are not doing this as some part of like cult thing because they think it's going to lead to their salvation, or they're not doing it as because they're uh, some kind of a cult ritual. Yeah, there's there's no religious aspect to this at all. There's no religious like, no. aspect to it. There's seemingly like no supernatural rhyme aspect. or reason. Yeah. You know, they're not monsters or ghouls. I mean, I guess they kind of have Leatherface portrayed that way. But as by and large, especially given that well, but the, yeah, the patriarch they, is just a normal guy at a gas station that we've met. You know, yeah. a, a guy just who normal would, people. Yeah who do this really fucked up stuff. When the final girl, Sally escapes and gets back to the gas station. Yeah. And that's where we see the turn of him being the evil, you know, kind of patriarch, as you say, there's a fantastic little touch when he gets her tied up, put into a bag, put on the floorboard of his truck. Mm -hmm. He's driving off from the gas station, but then he parks, gets out, turns off the light 
comes back to the truck <laughs> to say, you got to turn off the lights, man. Yeah. That electricity bill is going to kill you. Yeah. There's little touches like that in the dialogue. I think some of the acting is poor. I believe that Sally's acting, the final girl here, is is incredible for for She's that. Yeah. Okay, for good. That I stretch. thought you were. I thought you were about to say there's some no, poor acting. Franklin's Sally the one that really. I kind me. of like, but I, that's the biggest horror in the film is his Texas accent. Franklin Franklin is like he reminded me so much of Shelley in Friday the 13th part three. I would imagine that's a direct um, homage for sure. From, from and Sean Shelley Cunningham. is insufferable in yeah. that film. Like yeah. that character is just, Oh my God. Yeah. And this Franklin guy is the same way. I mean, obviously he is a sympathetic character to some degree, but he's also just so well, he's paralyzed, annoying. right? Or, or, yeah. or uh, paraplegic yeah. paraplegic. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. He's in a wheelchair. Yeah. There's a weird scene at the very beginning where he, Rolls down a hill accidentally. Yeah, and it's well, not really peeing. referenced well, again. Well, he's peeing into a coffee can, yeah. right? Well, although, well, although he does seem to have zipped up by the time he rolls. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, which is good. You want? Well, to yeah, you were the pausing PG. the film. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, uh, looking for everything. Um, so, so yeah, you're right. He he is a sympathetic character, but he's not a character, and he gets dispatched in a really fucked up. I mean, he gets it good when Sally and is rolling him through these woods. You're the last yeah. two remaining folks looking yeah. for their friends. Yeah. And um, he's honking the horn and screaming out the names and all he's doing is drawing Leatherface straight mm. to him and yeah. then vroom, and he gets yeah. it right in the yeah. gut. Yeah. Yeah. yeah was... No, it's, it, it, I, I think to me, again, there's a beauty to this film Agreed, and the way that yeah. it's shot um, I, I mean, I can agree with you that, that but I, I think it works for the movie that Franklin is the way he is. I don't know, yeah. like, there's nothing about this movie that I would change. It really all comes together. Just now, I get this not being everybody's cup of tea. This is not a pleasant film experience. It's a difficult but, watch for me. I'll be but honest. it does have so many just moments, scenes, lines of dialogue that work so well. But the, the final dinner scene, right? I mean, that is forever going to be creepy and leering and terrible the way it's shot those three guys down at the other end of the table like hooting and holler, laughing joke like it's just so comatose comatose granddad comatose granddad so fa- four but yes yeah. granddad doesn't add much. yeah what's going on with that barely guy? can swing a hammer barely oh that, they, have, <laughs> they have to help him what's what's going on with his skin well that's a good question is he also cloaked in some sort of human skin mask suit i, like, I didn't take that away from it i i, I don't he i just think he that's just the way that something nobody something ages has, that way something has happened to him <laughs> I, don't I guess, know. but it, but I do. I, I also. I think it's a strict course of human diet. A human meat diet will yeah. do that to a person. I think. Yeah. <laughs> He's been but, at it for a long time. You yeah. know, I think part of the beauty of it is the inscrutability on the surface. At least for me, when I first encountered it, because it did not have that supernatural element. It didn't even have the religious cult element. It wasn't what explains why these people are behaving this way. And, and that lack of explanation makes it more frightening. Makes it more frightening, but also upon repeated watchings and just growing and learning and thinking about the world in different ways, you realize, what is this story? It's the story of disaffected people who... Their source of income and their source of identity was working for this slaughterhouse operation, right? That is now gone. And this business that once used them is no longer using them. And so what's left? This empty shell of the people that they once were who all they know how to do is butcher. And so they're just going to do this one thing that, you know, capitalism taught would make them a living. 
and, and then sell the meat in sausage form at and the then, gas so, station. Yeah, so now they're just going to turn around. It's it's. I mean, to me, I see it, like this is an indictment of industrial capitalism, right? What's closing Certainly. down places like that? So, in a subtle way, like very I did subtle. not, I very did not pick that up when I was a kid. But that's a very conscious yeah. choice on the part of Kim Henkel and Toby Hooper, that you know, the writers of this, that they didn't want to locate that evil in something that we could explain away as like, oh, that's like this ancient, you know, incantation spell. Kendarian. Right, right. (laughs) We'll get there. Um, They they wanted you to have to reckon with, no, this is what happens to people when, like, the local industry leaves them and, and they're empty and they don't have this. Now, again, this is an extreme crazy version. Most people who suffer that kind of economic blight do not turn to cannibalism. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in that context... But representation is important. It is. <laughs> There's a lot of ink, because this is such a seminal classic in the canon of modern horror. There's a lot of ink on what is the subtext of the film, what is the mm. director trying to say here. And if he succinctly stated it in an interview I have not read that but I did read it's clearly a reaction to the Vietnam War it's clearly yeah. a reaction to the economic collapse of the uh, of the early 70s yeah. that led to a lot of really poverty stricken places in middle you know, uh, uh, rural America mm-hmm. I don't know if any of that's true I, I take your um, Explanation, well, David, as good as anything else. And you, as you say it and say it eloquently, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I just look at it in terms of the time. I mean, I think what these other critics are doing, too. You know, like you, you look at it, the time it came out, the things that it is choosing to do, the things that it's choosing not to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I think that does, like, even if you don't buy into what I'm saying about it being sort of an indictment against what you know, kind of late stage capitalism is doing to people in rural America that at the very least you can understand that there is something just unsettlingly creepy about the idea of these people in this isolated situation turning to this kind of behavior with no motivation outside. You know, there's, again, there's no cult, there's no nothing that's calling them. It's just something that, you know, because what because something's left they're they're without it's a family tradition at this point now it is yeah i i I know there were masked horror figures but this one really solidifies that that little thing Mm -hmm. i know there were power tools that killed people in film prior to this but this really solidifies this thing Mm. this film bred imitation that we have discussed on this show and our entire you know growing up watching horror movies that we have seen again and again and again i am happy to say though let me put that a different way the film affected me so much as a young person that i didn't really seek it out and i didn't seek out any of the sequels i know now there's a a bit of a a franchise that i understand i like some of the more recent ones yeah really funny silly i saw texas chainsaw massacre 3d and Did you see it, that one? When it came out at Starplex in what, like 2013 or something? Yeah. And I mean, the theater was erupting. I mean, yeah. people were like, nice, oh, nice 3D gags. Stop. What are you doing? You know, yeah. like, every, you know, it was like this. It was one of the corner theater, the really fucking big theaters over there. Uh-huh. And yeah, the crowd, it was a, it was a good screen, a rowdy, a rowdy oh, bunch. Fun. And it was fun because I mean, yeah, it's fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D. Like, you know, I don't... Yeah. Either. It'll... it'll don't it would care. be interesting to do some of the sequels at some point. I mean, I've I've seen... I've definitely seen two. 
which I think is hilarious. And I mean, it is somewhat more satirical. Three is the McConaughey one, right? I thought that was that four, four. But yeah, I don't think his was the 3D one. Well, well no, no, 3D was 3D much is, later. Like, that was oh, I'm just 2010s. thinking Friday the 13th Jaws, where they incorporate yeah. the third into yeah. the D. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. No, this one was three without 3D. 3D didn't come until much later. That was later, yeah. That was the post-Avatar But I saw, I think it was the everything. 2003 <sighs> remake. The one Jessica Biel, right? Yes. That I, one's pretty good. I did see that one. If Leatherface, and that kind of touched off the remakes yeah. of like Dawn and, of the and, Dead and, and, and these other... And they all... the movies that came the chainsaw movies that came after that are like building off that mm. 2003 one yes if face dispatches a, a navi i would I probably pay admission yeah yeah never mind i didn't i didn't, yeah, I didn't catch that <laughs> avatar <laughs> you, you, oh, okay. you were making an avatar can i avatar avatar yeah. avatar yeah um can't wait to cover the sequels I, I i hate this movie but i love it because i hate it i mean the texas Le- chainsaw yeah leatherface is i, I don't hate it did you you find it, it hard to watch. It fucked you up. I, this movie still fucks me up a little bit. Yeah, because it is very. Well, despite so, the because lack of board, unlike a Freddy, unlike a Jason, unlike even a Michael Myers, you could stumble into a house and get your fucking shit thrown onto a meat hook. That could that could happen. <laughs> you could get you could and it's portrayed in, so realistically. There's no well, cap there's a to it. There's no right. Some of these villains die. Right, the family, the brother, it like ends up getting hit by the truck. You know, there's <laughs> <laughs> in pretty uh, vivid fashion. Um, he gets like run. Over yeah. Oh, yeah. Why did the driver, when he pulled over and stopped, not just drive the fuck oh, off I, when he yeah, got her in the, I, I when he got that, her in the truck? You, well, I don't know. What, what kind of decisions are you? Well, gonna, well I, my, and how did the guy driving the pickup at the end know enough to turn around, let her jump in again? I mean, there's this woman covered in blood. Like, go co- get the authorities. I don't want to deal with this. Thing. Yeah. My <laughs> assumption about the 18 wheeler guy was that you can't just like take off like because it's a big diesel right, engine right, right. Like, out and, there's like more to getting yeah. going than just pressing on the gas yeah is my assumption having never driven a big though rig. though when they're taking off in the van after having the hitchhiker who you know ends up being the brother jump out that is a ridiculously slow taking off yeah. They, it, yeah. it is very funny because he gets to like run alongside and scratch at the van yeah. <laughs> like Why oh, another, another great line by the father look what your brother did to the door because yeah. he had used the chainsaw yeah. to slice through his own front door yeah. but yeah i mean you like these people walk into somebody's home you know yeah like you could very easily walk into some i mean if you were a fucking dumbass enough to walk into some random house yeah. in the middle of nowhere. Oh, like sure. it's well within the realm of possibilities to get fucking bludgeoned with a hammer by the yeah. by the people that live there. You're <laughs> an mean, intruder in, in, in their fact, home. In fact, the one thing that makes this film unrealistic is that if this is Texas, they would just have guns and they, they would just, just shoot guns. Yeah. They, there would be no chainsaw involved. But no. <laughs> be, what's the fun in that, David? <laughs> I a sawed-off shotgun. So I totally, oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I understand where you're coming from, Joe. This is it. Does still do something to me? And yeah. I, you know, these films don't scare me necessarily. I don't, I'm not somebody who gets scared at horror films, but it does get my pulse up a little bit. And there is this kind of, like I said, there is this beautiful cinematography matched with also that kind of shaky handheld element that comes in in a lot of the scenes. Yeah, it feels raw t- still. To me, yeah. there's there's kind of a just I don't know there there's like a this is like meat and potatoes horror filmmaking, definitely. Uh, Hooper figured out how to maximize the impact of what he was doing with almost zero budget, mm-hmm. and you see it, and it's just it is a sight to behold. I mean, 
if you can stomach it, and I totally get those people who can't and, and don't want to, but if you're listening to All Horror October, you're probably not in that camp. Yeah. Um, if you're somebody who's even just a little bit horror curious and haven't seen this film, yeah. by God. You, this is only you, my second time seeing it. It's a classic. Okay, but you you got to it. You, I, I, I had seen it once before, but like I was well into my 20s by the time okay. I saw it. Well, that's I, I did intend on talking about the context of the 1974 release. The Exorcist had come out a year prior, so mm-hmm. and that made so everyone saw The Exorcist. Sure. Billy Friedkin, yeah. Um, but I don't even know if The Exorcist would prepare a horror audience in 1974 for this now we can look back but when i look back at this i'm not seeing anything i mean that some of the clothes styles and the you know the 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 van bell bottoms but other than that the horror in this film really ages well yeah it's not and i may not have that opinion the entire show (laughs) <laughs> well well we'll see but I, I i agree with you joe i think that this this one i think this shocked audiences this I, shocked audiences I, it, and it also had you know i mean there's still it was real too i was gonna say there are still people to oh, this day marketing. who take that opening yeah which you know i parodied at the beginning of this episode as actual fact i think the first time that i saw it i didn't know for sure that it wasn't based on a true story and i think maybe i assumed it was i it think is. shortly after kind well of. it's modeled after ed gain yeah and, i know, think I he mean, did I, wear a mask of human skin i get but. it like there's elements they borrow but there was no family there's no family in texas yet. yeah ed gain right. was in the midwest right um ed gain was in the midwest yeah. and there was a houston killer who was somebody who was like luring in people for another person who yeah. they kind of anyway. Yeah. But, so there's like elements that they're borrowing, but no, this story is not a true story. It's not, there wasn't actually five young people who ended up on this estate or what, or, you know, this, yeah, anyway. Interesting but, how we arrived at five. I feel also, like in a lot of these movies, it's five. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that gives you enough to kill off to still have one left at the that's, end. That's true. That's you true. Know, that, yeah. And you, you know, it's a, too much smaller. There's it's no just, sex in the movie. There's no drugs in the movie. There's no um, so I penalty. Wanted, so I wanted to talk about that because this comes out the same year that Black Christmas comes out mm-hmm. by Bob Clark. And Black Christmas is widely regarded as the first slasher film. Mm-hmm. Even though Chainsaw could be that as well i mean there's i think there's enough of a case that it's something you could argue if you were so inclined the pickoff theory but i think the difference is that black christmas has a little more of the tropes of you know there's the sex and the party you know there's a little bit more and also they're in a house that's under attack yeah versus exactly them invading a house that then they're being cut yeah so it so even though i would now retrospectively give texas chainsaw massacre the slasher moniker Mm -hmm. it it doesn't quite kick it off but it is so close to what we become to know as the slasher format and it certainly influenced those who were making and it's just so interesting that it comes out the same year as black christmas it is it is two different countries you know, an oft talked about film on this podcast, but one we've never reviewed. Black Christmas. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling it'll show up at some. I hope so. Point. I love yeah. that movie. Mm-hmm. Spoiler. Um, I haven't seen the remake though. Me well, either. I haven't seen the first remake. I did see the second remake, the one with Carrie Elways. Oh, I don't think I saw. Came that. out mm, two I don't years think I've ago. Seen either of them. 
there was a 2008 one with Michelle Trachtenberg who played Don in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, okay. and then there was a 2019 with Carrie Elwes. All off the uh, top of his head, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> hey, look, if there's anything that I am, and, it's and, full of useless information. And Buffy adjacent. Hey, and it's Buffy adjacent and Princess Bride adjacent. Two things that there you our go. listeners know that I love. Anyway, anyway. fucking good movie. Good yeah, movie. Well, Holds up really, really well. Yeah. You forgive all of the, the dating of the fashion and whatnot because that's just what it was. Some of that but fashion's coming back. That 16 millimeter cinematography, the God, landmark brutality. It was it's it's all horror October classic. Yeah. Without a doubt. Brutal, scary, without inundating you with blood and guts right a perfectly crafted film from the texas hill country yeah did we just drink a perfectly crafted beer I, from the texas hill country now no, that that, that people that's great broadcasting that was right professional there. as hell uh yes i think we did this mm. is a very good beer i don't carlos i last night had a glass of well two glasses of atrial rubicite which is yeah the raspberry farmhouse ale that jester king has done for many years they do a batch of it every year and it's usually a big thing when it gets released and our yeah. friend was able to get a couple bottles for me um loved it just like i always have in the past enjoyed drinking it with a lovely meal um at my home but having this tonight i think this this may even kick that up a notch i kind of like I was worried when you were listing off the ingredients. I'm like, has Jester King gone overboard? Because I know it feels like they're flirting with that. like Some tasty bullshit. Yeah. But damn, these guys, they know how to dial that just right. They put in just enough. Like the milk sugar in there gives it a little more body. I like that. It's a little uh, smoother. Yes. The vanilla, just a hint. It's not like overpowering. Not overpowering. Kind of nice there with the berry. I mean, this is... That first sip is like a sledgehammer to the jaw hinge. <laughs> but after you get down about not, halfway Not when into, Grandpa's swinging it. <laughs> yeah. After you get... Yeah, right. <laughs> he does make contact a couple of times. A couple, yeah. She gets bloody head. She, yeah, yeah, she does. Um, but yeah, I you said it so well. There's nothing to add. This oh. is a fantastic beer from Jester King, who, in my long history with them, because they were seminal craft beer, you know, footstep for me. Yeah, and being so close to home. Yeah, they were in our market when I first got into the craft beer scene. They left our market. They are back. They are back big time, and I uh, couldn't 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 be happier. This is not a meat hook hanger. This is more <laughs> of a uh, pleasant showing up of a. Of well, a, this is a good Samaritan. This is deciding dealer. to shoot that final scene at Golden Hour yes. to get the yeah yeah. This yes. is the dance with the chainsaw and the glow of the rising sun. Right, right. there you go. Absolutely. Yeah, it's good. It's very good. I'm glad that I mean, you know, first of all, that bright pink label is going to catch your eye it every is, time. It's a pretty label. And then and then as soon as I looked at it, you had me at raspberry. Yeah. Uh, so I knew I had to get it and. Uh, Thank you. Thanks again, Carlos. Fantastic. Yeah, we are so blessed on this show. Uh, This All Horror October has just been going so well so far. We have had guests on the show, and they come into the studio that is the best beer consumption in the town that we live in. (laughs) Drink for drink, we drink the best in our town. And uh, I, I think that there's probably plenty of people that would love to knock on the door. 
come in and have a drink with us. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) We've been waiting for you. Oh, my God. This is not all Horror October vibes. All right. Well, folks, we'll see if we can get ourselves back on track with a John Ritter classic when we come back. And we're back! That would have been a good sequel to Nosferatu. Nosferatu. (laughs) And then the number two. (laughs) Nosferatu, the rainforest adventure. Well, that was Fitzcarraldo, I think, actually. Uh, (laughs) We are back, and I was was lying there, folks. There's no John Ritter in this half. Uh, Although Problem Child is a horror. I think probably a case could be made. Did he ever do a straight-up horror film, though? I don't know. He was in an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. No kidding. Yeah. A really fucking good episode. That would get me to watch Buffy. Even if I did have to watch the work of Joss Whedon. All right, folks. Hey, look. We're going to get some... I understand. I, I was trying to corner you there to try to defend Joss Whedon, and I knew you would back down. All right. Well, I would not... I'm not going to defend Joss Whedon the man. I will defend that his work. You love the work. art, not the not, artist. N- not even all of his work. Like, a handful of his... Sh- yeah. Stuff. No, really, I like Buffy I, and Firefly. I was going to say, I like Firefly. 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 Rabbit hole warning. <laughs> okay, <laughs> folks. Before we get any further down any rabbit holes, I'm going to get some beer in our glasses. This one brought to us by friend of the pod, Martin Torres, um, looking out for us, bringing us a beer from San Antonio. This is Freetail, who I'm pretty sure we've had on the show We have before. had it at least one Definitely. time. Um, this is their La Muerta, which is a smoked imperial stout that they do. And they do variations on it, too. I know I've had some with raspberry. Uh, I've, had, the, I've had some variation of this beer before. Yeah. But this is a 2018, so it's an aged. That's always interesting to do with these uh, Imperial Stouts. Um, or it can be interesting. Um, I kind of like it because with a smoky one, I, I, I would like that to maybe mellow out a little bit. So let's find out if that happened. Yeah. But the idea here, you know, obviously the, the lovely label art, the skull with the roses, la muerta meaning death. What are we watching this half, guys? Well... It kind of kept evolving. Uh, yeah, so we're 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 talking Evil Dead, plural, because Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two are such similar films that it's and because of how everything played out with them, Ooh, the production of them and all that kind of stuff, it was really hard to finitely separate them. Well, and and I I think, you know, our the our curator for this episode, Kyle, yeah. Kyle uh m- made the point that really it's the second Evil Dead that is the perfect pairing with Texas because, Chainsaw. Yeah, because of the chainsaw tie-in. There is a chainsaw in the first one, but it does not become as prominent a weapon or tool yeah. as it does in the second it one. It does not merge with the human. <laughs> no, the no. way that it Spoilers. does in part 2, right? Yeah, but yeah, and but as as we tend to do, we tend to want to start with the first in a franchise. I think it's just our natural inclination that if yeah. we're gonna... well, and especially with one that's so like you've, however you want to slice it, you have recreated that first film, a portion of it at least in the second film. Yeah, yeah, and and look, it, if even if we had decided to go full, to fully commit to just one of these, you. You're gonna reference the other no matter sure. what. So it was like, fuck it, let's do both of them. Yeah. Uh, so first up, Evil Dead, Sam Raimi, 
Bruce Campbell. 1981 slash three question mark. Uh, I found two release dates for this when I was looking it up. I believe it was 81 80, uh, is 81. when it first premiered, but that it took a while for it to kind of make the rounds. Okay. And so it, it took event- Stephen King's endorsement to make right. it a cult, Con- Stephen a King cult was able to get it into con, not out of competition. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the fact that Evil Dead screened at con is insane. But the idea being that you have these five college age kids, I think, um, we don't get like a firm age on them at any point, but it seems that way. Uh, the age of the actors is roughly, or at least a Bruce Campbell at the time is roughly college age. Sam Raimi had just turned 20 when he's making this film. Well, and Campbell grew up with them, so they must yeah, have they been grew up together. Yeah. yeah. So I guess they, they are the same yeah. age. Yeah. Um, so yeah. These five kids are going to this cabin that they've rented that they've gotten for a really cheap rate and they're not (laughs) sure why. why. And they're like, okay, let's see what it's going to be like. Maybe it's a shithole. Maybe it's not. Uh, They get there. It's a kind of rinky dink cabin, but they're hanging out. They're doing their thing. Um, They find this tape reel and this weird book. Before that, some kind of spooky shit is happening with Cheryl, but kind of on her own, so the other people don't know about it yet. Yeah. They play this tape that recites the incantations from the Book of the Dead, and evil... Hello, evil, I am an anthropologist. Yeah, and evil I'm spirits in Sumeria. then begin to possess different members, uh, and, and then you have a classic, they're dispatched one by one until you have one final person left, played by Bruce Campbell, Ashley Williams, a.k.a. Ash. Not a final girl, Final man, but a very handsome one. So we'll take it. Yeah. Uh, Evil Dead 2, several years later, 1987. Sounds right. I think. Um, after after some fa- after some failed attempts at making other projects, Sam Raimi decides to well, take, he did release at least one. Crime Wave got out there and but did not do well. No, t- tanked yeah. and what was in danger of sinking their nascent career. Yeah. Yeah. So out of an act of desperation, he takes this offer for funding to make a sequel to evil dead, which was a fairly successful film called evil dead Two, And it's more or less the same film, but, (laughs) uh, but instead of five kids going out to some random cabin in the woods, Ashley Williams is taking his girlfriend out to this cabin. That's, he knows the people won't be returning to somehow uh-huh. doesn't matter um finds the tape recorder with the incantations summons the demons uh but it, the difference being in this case the you have um the daughter of the anthropologist and her partner whether that research be professional partner, research yeah, partner yeah, it seems like, yeah. uh, are coming to with the extra pages of the book of the dead to help the father with the research. They can't get there because the bridge has disappeared. And, uh, this hillbilly Jake and his girlfriend, Bobby Joe, uh, help hop them, help them get there through a back trail. (laughs) Yeah. At this point, Ashley has already dispatched his possessed girlfriend. And so then the five of them have to figure out how to survive the night. Uh, dead by dawn, dead by dawn. <laughs> uh, so evil dead Two: colon dead by dawn. Um, yeah. And so Though it's yeah. interesting that that colon title does not get attached to it, it in the same way that most colon titles do. No, it, yeah. most, mo- most times you buy this film and it's just evil dead. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, there's a, there is like a dancing singing colon in the film. That's a puppet. Yeah. And, yeah. And claymation. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, some great stop motion, some great stop motion. Ultimately, 
the plot of the film is the same. You have some people that find the tape recorder of the Book of the Dead that summon the demons that possess the people that then you have to try to survive the night. And, and the only way to off a possessed person is to, to dismember, dismember them. them. Yeah. Now, you know, they take kind of different approaches and obviously... They have a different amount of money. Yeah, let, let's... A, a huge yeah, let, budget thing and, and, and the, the character list, the cast is different with the exception of Bruce Campbell as Ashley Williams. Um, but I think that... Uh, yeah, so... Let's start with the start at the beginning. Yeah, let's start yeah. with the with the very low budget. So they so Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell make a short film that's a proof of concept called Within the Woods, mm-hmm. and they get they're shopping it around trying to raise funds for. They a get feature. what like ninety grand or something up front. To yeah, make? That sounds right. That Evil sounds Dead. right. Yeah. Um, and it's like a twelve week shoot at this cabin in the woods that doesn't have plumbing, has a phone, no plumbing. It's during the winter. It's in Tennessee somewhere. It's freezing. It's a grueling shoot. Totally f- flying by the seat of your pants yeah. type of you know DIY. Exacerbated by the, the idea cabin. that they're learning as they go. Yeah, exactly. A comedy so. of errors. You we know? don't know how to, so we devise a way to. Yeah. And you see that ingenuity. You see that creativity. You see that dollar being stretched. You can also see some of the, you know, fraying of the seams. You can see that the makeup's not great. You can yeah. see that the, you know, the effects aren't stellar. But in the, for me, and when I saw it, the in the vein of, of El Mariachi, in the vein of Clerks, in the vein of there is more to it than just the film. There is raw creativity here. There's raw talent here. And you can see that in Evil Dead 1, no, no doubt about it. It is a good film, though. I think so, too. Um, but but I, I mean, I think you do see the cracks in it, um, or you can see the cracks in it. But l- like Joe was saying, I think what comes across much more strongly for me is the the chutzpah, right? The, the like sheer audacity of like these young guys deciding, hey... We can tell these stories. We can make these. We can get people's interest. We can, you know, and I think, you know, with this first film, a little bit more coming to terms with what kind of storytellers they really are. I guess Ramey in particular, but Campbell seems like a colla- a true collaborator here. And the, and the producer, who's the producer? I'm, I'm forgetting his name. I can't remember his name. His name who, you know, the, the three of them really seem to have this bond. He, Robert he, Tappert. He, yeah, he okay. goes on to produce the Spider-Man trilogy with Raimi. Right, and, right. Yeah. Um, and you can just see, like, you know, trying to blend, like, because obviously I think they were lovers of horror, and, you know, they belong in all horror October. But even from the get-go, there was a sense that there was a little bit of this appreciation of comedy um, that goes beyond what the typical... Now, Joe, you pointed out some good one-liners from uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And, and there's certainly mm-hmm. some of that going on. But I don't think anybody comes away from Chainsaw Mas- Texas Chainsaw Massacre thinking, oh, Toby Hooper is a real funny filmmaker. Not you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas even with Evil Dead 1, and it gets amped up in Evil Dead 2, we'll talk about that more, but... Uh, you can tell Raimi has this interest in, you know, seeing the over top, over the topness of it all and sort of snickering about it and, or getting us to snicker about it with him maybe at times. Yeah, because, because why not? I mean, horror 
itself is a genre of extravagance to a certain degree. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the longer the genre goes on and the more that people play with the format, the more elaborate the kills need to get, the gorier it needs to get, the more sexed up it needs to get. You know, yeah. like, these are things that, you know, you see over time. And I mean, even by, especially by 1987, but even by 1981, I mean, I feel like as a filmmaker, Raimi can see these things happening yeah you know everything's getting Mm -hmm. more and more amped up and so just playing with that kind of over-the-top nature of the genre i feel can is you know something that he's doing and something that he's having fun with Mm -hmm. and something that i think that he believes that his audience is intelligent enough to also be able to enjoy and you know be in on it with him you know um but i mean i mean just outside of that from just like a sheer like what is this story i mean it is an in, an interesting conceit and I, like is this the first cabin in the woods movie you tell me you're i was well, I, I, I thought about that i was like it's, it's post fight of the 13th which is a right, series that's of cabins. A summer that's a camp. Summer camp. i mean yeah. i mean this is like you know the isolated going to an isolated I, cabin, going to an isolated cabin sleepaway to, camp or okay for yeah i mean that's uh, the summer camp thing i think is markedly different yeah. from this because it's an organized thing where people are it's adjacent together. but it is its own thing i yeah. I, I, I get where you're coming from it might be i mean it i i don't like know it. I, I i also don't know for List, sure li- listeners shout back at us if uh if it feels like i i can't think of anything off the top of my head that takes that specific conceit Mm. that predates this there's three scenes that have stuck with me since i saw this on vhs in 88 89 number one well four number one the uh shaky cam that uh, well known in horror lore that sam raimi without the app with the absence of renting a steady cam affixed his camera to a long two by four and two guys run through yeah. the woods and they manipulate the speed of the film to create a fantastic effect of the demonic forces uh, you know ascending on yeah. a person or right. ascending on the camp number two just like the meat hook the pencil to the ankle yeah yeah that's the, scal- uh, that. the scalpel to the achilles hind- uh, tendon in the original yeah. pet cemetery the hanging the girl on the meat hook these are visceral, real yeah. things that just make my entire body tingle in that way where you know you feel a yeah. little nauseous. Yeah. Number three, when the girl is in the cellar with the chain, and the chain they don't pull any slack; they they leave a little slack <laughs> so that she can continue peeking yeah. up. <laughs> and she's got that purple face and that distorted voice and the yellow eyes. That fucking creeped me out as a younger person. It yeah. really, really did. It lost a little bit of the effect watching it now as an older person with all the things I've seen between now and then. But that was just really great. But here's the one that is difficult to watch then. And, and you know where I'm going. You have to. Difficult to watch now. And that is the tree rape. Yeah. That is just yeah. difficult, well, man. Okay, it's so, difficult I mean, to navigate. It's, it's difficult it's, to it's see. A, it's a scene that's mired in some controversy, too. It's like, got to be. I mean, so Fide Alvarez recreated it for his 2013 soft Did not reboot. get a chance to see it, even though it, yeah. I intended So, first of all, you need to see it. Yeah, you said that last week. I'm yeah, sorry it's I a, missed it. It's a very... Um, it's very it's more serious, right? It's it's a, it means straight up horror. It's not right. funny it, at all. Huh. And it's and it's 
fucked up. Like, it's really brutal. Um, but he does do that uh-huh. in it. And, you know, it, it's more true to Evil Dead than it is Evil Dead 2 as far as, like, the things that happen in it or whatever. It, it kind of plays a little bit with some of the stuff in the second one. Anyway. So he recreate. I mean, he does that in the remake. That yeah. scene happens, you know. Well, it happens in Evil Dead too, though. It cuts off before it really well, becomes a full on. Yeah, yeah. in Evil Dead too, they. I think Raimi, already having some regret about it, yeah. tones it down because the idea of trees attacking you. Oh is no, it's scary. I, mean, I was going to say, like, you don't want to lose the fact that there's something very inventive about having the you know these branches mm-hmm. as like tendrils, like coming out and well, grabbing well, the surroundings somebody. of the cabin are working against the people inside right, of it yeah. right. between the bridge I mean this the hasn't just being, infected yeah. the human life it's right. all, all life, life. Yeah. it's plant life and it's, then it, it plays even more into it in Evil Dead 2 because the trail disappears and like yeah. the idea that your surroundings are inhibiting you from being able to escape this place right um, but yeah that is I mean especially the way it's how kind of brutal it is in Evil Dead I mean yeah. it's a tough scene it's it's rough and uh, you know it's it's one of those it's one of those things where it's in the film it happened yeah it's horrific it is i mean it is and you know to a certain degree i mean like the things that happen in horror movies are not things that we condone as a society in fact quite the opposite of no that's what they exist to do but it is a scene that i have read that Raimi himself has expressed some regret over. And he even said that he advised against doing it in the remake because mm-hmm. he and Campbell were producers on the yeah. Alvarez's remake. And I, I think he was trying to keep that from being yeah. redone in that film. Yeah. So, you know, that's, those are kind of the facts around. It's, it's such a noteworthy scene that I thought it would certainly be worth bringing up and discussing. Well, it is. And it's, and it's definitely, especially, was, I was going to bring it up and nobody else. I, especially ultimately, as it goes. I ultimately forgive the film for it because we are here to watch a horror movie. But folks that have lived through or folks that have, oh, are sure. adjacent to, I mean, there's, there's, that's a worse act than murder in, in the human sense. Trees would be even worse, I imagine. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I mean, the, the way that it's shown yeah, in that yeah. film is pretty rough. It happens, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, but, but there's some cracks. There's some cracks to the effects there where you can clearly see that the tree wrapping around the wrists and the legs uh, is just shot in reverse. You know, and that's kind of that that low budget thing where I was talking about. You can see the cracks. You can the, tell it's a little cracks and spit. There. There's some kinks to. I, how, I think that's. I think that sequence is put together pretty well. But I, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, and, and it's certainly not a scene that gives me any real pleasure. Um, but. It, I think in the context, I mean, these are people under assault, sure. right? I yeah. mean, th- this is... It fits into the narrative. It It, it is, um, I mean, I don't want to say, it, it, in in that sense, it, it is pulling no punches. It's it's just uh, the brutality of this force that they've unleashed right. is being put on display. Now, I, I agree with Raimi, I think, at this point, that, like, I don't think it was necessary to go that far, but I understand the impulse, and I understand... I mean, uh, especially when you're trying to grab people's attention as a no-name filmmaker. Right. And and I certainly don't think that this film is guilty in reveling in the torture of women any worse than it is the torture of men. So, Yeah, which, you, is, which is, you know, to kind of harken back to our first half of the episode, is something that Texas Chainsaw Massacre is kind of... 
um, criticized for. Well, it, it it certainly does pay a lot more attention to the violence done towards the women in yeah. that film. I will agree with that. Yeah. yeah. And, and this one, I mean, in both cases, everybody gets it. You know? Yeah. I and, mean, Ash himself is, is thrashed about pretty soundly. And presumably dies at the end of the first one, right? You, well, you're kind of left to think, you, very likely. I mean, yeah. Something happens. That's uh, how I read it. He's breathing a sigh of relief and then, no, the, demo- no, the demonic yeah. force is back. Just to- and, like, and yeah, so to talk about that scene, I mean, we can get into more, I mean, as far as like the kind of auteurness of Raimi's approach to this film because I mean there are visual elements of this film that are distinct and that are like iconic to this film like the moving through the woods yeah classic yeah and a hot like a benchmark of this movie or like a something specific to this film that when you see that kind of move, that kind of camera movement in that context, right. it's like immediately, it, if somebody else references it, you immediately know where it comes from. If sure. you've seen this film, the smoke, all the yes. fog, and especially it going backwards uh-huh. and all that kind yeah, of the stuff. The budget was low, but they did afford a couple of smoke machines, no yeah. doubt. So they were uh, used to, in, to good effect. And I mean, yeah, the creature, spirit, demon thing stalking through the woods, I mean, that's fucking classic. Yeah. And to do it, I mean, you know, I I read a little bit about how they had to kind of figure all that out. And I mean, without a steady cam, that's a yeah. that's a tough fucking right. maneuver. Like to Joe pull was off, saying, you know? like having those guys, I mean, it, it may sound like a cheap fix to have two guys with a two by four with <laughs> yeah. that. But actually executing that Mo- and being yeah. able to move through the forest the way that they were. Because these aren't black done. magic cameras that we have now. No, I no, mean, this these is are a heavy big camera. Fucking that cameras, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. So the, I mean the, this is this is not just a feat of great economy, but a feat of great passion and that these people were willing to put this into it. I mean and it was a small crew. I mean what? It was like thirteen, fourteen people yeah, there were in this injuries, cabin for, yeah. You know, like yeah. people got no one hurt making scathed. this film. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the kind of production that it was. Right. Uh, so, Ash testing the dismemberment requirement by burying the girlfriend, and then yeah. she comes back until he has to eventually dismember her yes. with the shovel, which we then again see in the collapsed kind of retelling, so to speak, of the first film in the second one. Evil Dead 2, yeah. When he does it in Evil... So... I think we could probably... Yeah, 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 I was going to say, I was going to say, let's get into Did Evil Dead Did he die at the end? In, in Evil Dead 2, Ash gets to the cabin, says some goofy shit to his girlfriend, makes some goofy faces. I, there's like this really scene where he's like, hey, baby. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's really funny. Uh, possesses her, kills her, dismembers her in like six minutes. Yeah. I mean, it, Oh, it's a super <laughs> compressed... So there's no reason it, to dilly-dally. I, I agree, but also... Well, no reason to dilly-dally, but it it is an interesting, and I still have not read... A definitive explanation of why they felt that they needed to start anew instead of just picking up. With. Instead of just picking up where, where it's, they. It's left because off. the financier liked Evil Dead so no, much. No, I, underst- that I understand like- that, but I, but I still, I think you could have made the film past those whatever that first ten minutes that kind of gives you that compressed version of the first film. I think you still could have made the film after that, and and Dino De Laurentiis, you know, the, the person funding this, would have been okay with the film the way it was. But there was a choice that they made, like they wanted to start 
fresh, and I'm not. I'm. I'm still not sure I understand that entirely. But lo and behold, it, it is there. You know, it, it's sure. It's and, how they did it. And what I think is, at least for me, is the most interesting about that is that I I find Evil Dead Two, despite so much happening in the first six and a half minutes, because I paused it. Because mm-hmm. I was like, this film has not been going for that long. Uh-huh, like, right. wh- what? How far into this are we? And it was like six minutes and like thirty-eight seconds or something. And when he like, you know, pushes the cro- cross into the ground. Yeah. After after he buries her, I find Evil Dead Two to be a much better paced film. Oh sure, yeah. Despite that. Yeah, no, I think there's this little prologue element to it that, that you kind of get past, and that, that seems really accelerated. To me, the function of the prologue is to immerse the audience in a different type of experience. Because, as you said, David, the first one has some comedic moments, but is not steeped in comedy. Yeah, well, It's got outlandish moments, but it's not steeped in comedic. It's not a comedy, necessarily. And... David and I talked about this a little bit on Friday. What? Uh, I know, I know. Very, it's a, it was a faux pas on my part. Rule number one I know, about but, beer in a movie, don't but, talk about, about beers movie. or movies. So my, my understanding of this was always that they made Evil Dead, it was very low budget, et cetera, et cetera. Screened yeah. it. People thought it was kind of funny because the effects were cheesy yes. and stuff, and they just leaned into it. I assume that that's though the conversation we would well, have David tonight has if we a hadn't broken the rules. Understanding of it. Well, I'm on and your I, side I, before I, I hear David. And I tried to do a little. You said to kind of read into it a little bit, and I did the very bare minimum of yeah. that I could have done, and I didn't. I was having a hard time finding like a definitive, like retelling of how it all ha- how the yeah how it all happened well i mean what what i understand is that you know they actually had a cut of the f- the first one that had a little bit more of a serious bent to it and it was trying to develop the characters a little bit more and more with them sort of being anguished over the death and you know all that right. kind of stuff but then they realized ooh that doesn't that doesn't feel right like there's something a little bit more kind of you know, sort of uh, energetic and kind of, you know, moves along better if we kind of focus a little bit more on the the action and even these moments of somewhat comedy that, that kind of arise as it goes on or the absurdity of it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, as, as it gets ratcheted up. And by the time I think they got around to making this second one, they had obviously kind of figured out, well, that's what played really well, right? Like yeah. audiences laugh at, at these moments like, um... of... What is the guy's name? Scotty was like, "That's so stupid." Like, <laughs> thinks she's like the dumbest person in the world for like suggesting. So I don't remember what she suggested. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, like those little moments, right? Like, and so I think that they came to embrace the camp of the original. And when they were going to make the sequel, now originally they actually, you know, I mean, we, we kind of, but you know, part of it, why they pivoted to doing something so similar to the first one was that they had actually written a script that was would become Army of Darkness later. And, you know, we're not reviewing that one here. But the third film sends Ash back in time to, to fight the evil dead or what, you know, to, to fight the... Deadites. Yeah. Um, an army of... Them. In the past, right. To fight an army of darkness. Yes, there you go. And... But De Laurentiis didn't want that. He's like, no, that's too far away from what you guys were doing. You're doing Cabin in the Woods, Kids Under Assault. Do do that film. Yeah. You know that that that's and the they, kind of film. I mean, that they you set do. it up 
I mean, even the right, end of the right. film, but like even just that part of the book where it's like, oh, they say he came from the sky and it's like a drawing yes. of ash. With yeah. <laughs> Which I think that, that does that happen before he goes full where he, they show that little drawing in the book of the dead before, before he, he actually, puts the chainsaw in so, his yeah. hand. Yeah. yeah so before like, he MacGyvers up the chainsaw <laughs> hand. Yeah. Which like, how, ma- hey, no, no how great is that scene where he's fighting against his own hand uh, oh, when it's, it's still, great. I mean, that is I mean, some Bruce great Campbell's physical a, comedy. Bruce Campbell is great. He's, I feel he evolves into that. In the first film, he's a little, his he, novice acting well, he's, chops I mean, are it, in full effect. They've written a more streamlined script. Uh-huh. It's not as, it, I agree with you. Like it, the second film definitely allows him to open up as an actor. And I think he's more comfortable in the character. I mean, even well, again, though we're fucking talking about Ash. Think about the process they went through. They're like 20 year olds making this mm-hmm. film and then the they cut it and, the... and they see how it works and they go and see it with audiences and they see how they respond and mm-hmm. they realize, oh, there is this comedy to it. And Campbell starts to realize, oh, I'm kind of good at this kind of expressiveness in my acting. And I have this kind of rubbery am, face, Jim Carrey face almost. Right. Sometimes. I'm both kind of traditionally good looking, but also able to like uh-huh. be Which, kind of elastic. And by weird. the second film, somehow he's more traditionally good looking than the first. Like his jaw has become more well, defined. He's matured. And, I mean, he's, he's like, gone from being 20 to like 25. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. 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 He is a very interesting figure. He's fu- yeah. he is fucking funny. But he though. is. I mean, but his hand is his hand is possessed. His, yeah. So he has hand. to cut cut his own hand off with a chainsaw in a great scene where he's and the blood's spraying <laughs> up into his face. Yes. I love how the blood changes color throughout the film. I too. love how <laughs> with the 3.5 million they had to make this compared to the 350,000 or so they had to make the first one, they spent 1.75 million clearly on fucking blood. So much blood. <laughs> so much blood. It shoots out of the blood. cellar. Red blood, green blood, blue blood. They needed a short prologue because of the blood coming out of the cellar took 10 minutes yeah, yeah. You know, it was like they gave the shining a run for its money oh the- it's insane and also one of my favorite parts is that there will be these scenes where someone will get absolutely drenched in blood and then their clothes are fine the next scene they uh, just yeah. have a little bit on them it's like i didn't, it's notice, so I didn't notice a lot of that but i oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I believe you um they also spent money clearly on a uh, different level of effects. A lot we mentioned it earlier. A lot of stop motion. Yeah. A lot of very clear claymation. Um, a lot of the headless dead ru- girlfriend rubbery uh, rubber mask latex. You yeah. know applications. Mm-hmm. Dead ash or um, evil ash. The father comes back in a kind of this ghostly visage. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And you know, to Maybe. me, and I love Kyle Ferguson. Some of these effects do not age very well, but if you can keep your mind in 1987 and the budget and appreciating it for exactly what it is, it's all forgivable. I think I think the cheesy effects work perfectly. I do too because because the comedy is already amped up. Like to me. It all fits together. I mean, there's watching this again now. I'll suck your soul. For, for I don't know. It's probably like, been that's ten, funny. Probably been ten or fifteen years since I've seen either of these, and I, I think you know it is a case of improving on the original. I like the first Evil Dead for its tenacity. I like what they were doing. 
Um, it's crazy uh, how much better Evil Dead 2 looks. Well, yeah. I mean, that's. but then to see what they were able to do in the real growth, crew, you know, the proper equipment. Yeah. I mean, it's still immature. It's still juvenile. Yeah. It's, it's still young people kind of, you know, pushing the boundaries in the way that they knew. But it's funny. And Campbell has become a very competent comedic actor. Agreed. Raimi has become a much more sure-footed director. I think that all around, Evil Dead Two improves on what the original set out to do, yeah. and leans into and, and leans into the humor of the original in a way that I really appreciate. It does sort of relieve some of the tension. There. Can't you imagine how much fun the crew had during pre-production when they were going to recreate something that they had done already, but with money yeah, and with right, and right. with experience and with expertise, hireable expertise. Yeah. Um, and you see that they, they recreate the bridge scene where mm-hmm. the bridge is um, uh, destroyed by the yeah. demons. <laughs> yeah. And Torn up. And yeah. And but they recreate it in a more cinematic way. The, even the, blowing through the the forest yeah. with the shaky cam is done in a more uh expertise with more expertise the the facial makeup we didn't mention that ash himself is possessed as we said his hand yes, was but right. he himself is and it kind of kind of comes and goes which breaks the the lore of the first one once you're possessed you're possessed right unless you aren't possessed to fool people into you know having some sympathy for you just to let you out of the cellar or whatever but ash is is the chosen one the um the headless dancer is just that's a fucking fun scene yeah so fun yeah even though the effects are a little you know they're they're right there in front of you to see but um all in all these two films together are some seminal horror into horror comedy um uh slash stick Slapstick, slash stick, I think is a term that is was used. Uh, Sam Raimi came up not, with another term now. that I can't remember right now. Slash, s- slash stick? That makes sense. While being hard to say, great term. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. In writing, it works. In writing, yeah. saying, sure it saying it's hard. Slash stick. stick. Yeah. I'm writing a movie called Slash Stick. It's about hockey. the rural juror. Yeah, it's a, it's a <laughs> <laughs> and, and especially, I mean, I think it's hard to watch this film and not think about what this led to. For I mean, like we've we've mentioned, uh, you know, Raimi went on to direct the Spider-Man film, Spider-Man. Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man Spider-Man 3. 2, the best Marvel film ever. Oh, Spider-Man 1, but and okay. It's out there. I mean, this is, I don't know, this is kind of mind-blowing to see people making their way into filmmaking through these very ragtag, scrappy little films. Certainly the first one, but even the second one, you know, which is just really just... You know the the engine driving it is their creativity, no is their inventiveness, yep. is their ability to kind of, and that these guys were able to make the careers that they did out of these beginnings, mm-hmm. pretty incredible. And and that they've stayed somewhat devoted to the horror genre over their Drag careers. Drag Me to Hell's got some scary Drag shit. Drag Me to Hell's yeah, a great Sa- horror Sa- film. Sam Raimi has had a very interesting career. Uh, yeah, what's the one with Katie Holmes that I thought was very good. He uh, did one the with Gift. The Oh, Am I right? I, oh, I, I saw a movie called The Gift that had Jason Bateman in it. No, eh, I forget. That's a, I mean, it's a good movie, Apologies. but it wasn't Sam Raimi. I don't think. Um, I mean, yeah, he did Dark Man in between this. Mm-hmm. And it is no The Army Gift. Of Darkness. In oh, the Gift. Sam Raimi? I, I didn't see it with uh, uh, Kate Blanchett, Giovanni, Rubi- Giovanni Ribisi, Keanu Reeves. B- big. I'm fan. And Katie Holmes. Uh, yeah, Katie Holmes. The yeah, Gift. She was in it. 
Yeah. What year? <laughs> 2000. The film centers on Annie becoming involved in a murder case as a result of acquiring knowledge about the crime yeah. through her extrasensory perception and psychic ability. Okay, there's another movie called The Gift that came out in like 2014-ish that I was thinking It's of. a Hallmark oh, okay. Christmas movie called The Gift, which you guys, maybe we could review it. Uh, yeah, we could. No, time. it was the film he made right before Spider-Man. Yeah, I, I Spider-Man 1, think great movie. I'm firmly placing... I think I'm my minority in the room. Evil Dead One as a greater film than Evil Dead Two. Yeah, huh. You are wrong about that. That's okay. I can be wrong sometimes. You can. <laughs> You're never you wrong, Mister Aster Hater. I, I'll, at all I'll give you that one, Joe. I mean, from from the sheer standpoint of the DIY of it, I think gives right. it a warm place it's in like my a heart. Pu- it's a more punk film mm-hmm. than. Evil Dead 2. Mm-hmm. Evil Dead 2 is like the sellout. We're going to go for the budget. We're going to do the thing. And we're going to... Like, Evil Dead 1 has that scrappiness that a, a great DIY album... I'm not have. as large a fan of the comedy aspect. So, I mean, clearly you probably know that I think that Army of Darkness it begins... You begin to see some uh, diminishing returns. But I think I'm in the minority of that when it comes to the horror fan base. And, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know... That's fair. And I haven't seen the TV series at all. TV series is very good, but it's it's comedy. It's got um it's got Lucy Lawless in it. She shows up. Yeah, I've um, I've wanted to see it. I haven't it's, it's stars, good. right? I haven't had the stars, stars yeah, subscription yeah. of And and you know, if you want to see this film but just gone full tilt horror, budget, believable effects, all of that stuff, watch the remake. Fide Alvarez is a fucking It's on my list. good horror filmmaker he is fucking good at mm-hmm. it and yeah. i don't know why he's not doing more stuff he did evil dead he did don't breathe he did another movie that didn't make a, a big splash that i haven't seen it, he did the uh um no doubt biopic don't uh, don't speak don't speak yes yeah. that's right he did do that uh, <laughs> but he, he did I mean, the joe hilliard stopping rabbit holes don't just yeah. don't yeah. guys don't so watch watch the remake i I'm going to watch Army of Darkness at some point this week because after seeing these two in a row, were I really the, want to were, see Was them. Evil Dead 1 and 2, where did I see those? Hulu or HBO They're Max? They're on HBO Max. Army, Army of Darkness, of Darkness is on there too? Well. Okay, then I'm going to see that before Halloween. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Um, and by Halloween, I mean October 31st, not Halloween Kills, which... Is next week. Oh! Oh! Tipped our hand. Tipped our hand. Uh, who's going to tip their hand first about this beer, though? I sense David. I went first last time. I kind of feel I, like... I will say that my first sip of it... I agree. I was like, mm, I don't know about this. I think that we were washing not terrible taste of failure, but the, but the a drastic very different style change. taste yeah, a, of... A drastic shift in a style. A farmhouse ale out yeah. of our mouths, but... The smokiness hit me square in the face. And that first sip? Yeah, and that first sip. Yeah, I, it take, like, Whoa. It did, I got used to it and I began to enjoy it. And by the time I drained my glass, I was thinking to myself... Can't wait to talk about this beer. There's no failure tonight. Yeah, I do. I I, I very much I began to I like the, I like this beer. It took me a second. I don't think that. I mean, there are smoked porters, right? That's a thing. Yeah, uh, like yeah. I, I it's not a it's not a thing that I'm super familiar with or that I've had a lot of, and so I think it just took. Well, me there's a second. Roush beers that are like more you know smoked ales i mean like yeah pe- this is a thing people it's do. a thing but it's not and i like i'm not super familiar with it. i like smokiness i like I, i'm i'm a big fan of barbecue so i i mean i like smoked meats but 
I'm not a huge fan of smoked beer. I do, I do not love the smoked malt flavor mm-hmm. being incorporated into beer. Gimm- but, gimmicky, you feel? No, 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 n- not that. It's just I literally do not like the I, smokiness I in that. Does not agree with your palate. Yeah, and it, you know I think where it does the best is probably in a it well it is it's in a darker beer like this. I'd much rather have it in this context. I do think probably having it a little bit aged helped mellow it in the way that I was thinking it would. Um, but even even that said, like you, Joe, initially taking the first couple sips, I was worried I'm not going to like this as much. But once I got going with it, it it kind of fell into the rhythm that I needed it to. I, I found the groove and, and you know, I, I locked in. I I don't think I mentioned. I think this is eight and a half percent. I was so, about to, I was about to ask. I, I think that the it's AB, a healthy ABV, but without being over the top. But I think the ABV helps the beer. I, yeah. I, I honestly believe that it does in on your palate, on your tongue, what a higher ABV does when it's managed well within the beer. Yeah. It's not there to get you wasted. Although if I drink enough of it, it could. But it's there to. Not dull. I'm not trying to say that it's there to kill your taste buds, but it does help manage the complexity of the flavor mm-hmm. when an ABV is used correctly. Yeah. What was the ABV on this one again? 8.5. Oh, yeah. It's kind of lower than I expected. Yeah, for for what the Imperial Stout scene is these days, yes, it does seem low, but, it, but it's respectable. Freetail's yeah. a, a brewery out of San Antonio that I, every time I would travel up there to visit friends, visit family, we'd always, we'd, uh, back in the day, there weren't as many options in San Antonio as there are now, so we always would stop in. They always had a great uh, restaurant slash tap room. I've heard it's still very good. They always had great... Um, uh, it was one of the first places I saw the multimedia element of the screen with the uh, okay with the the like the untapped kind yeah of thing. yeah like all of the reviews as they're coming in live and I can text right now and look there's my name yeah um so that was kind of fun in the, at the time but Freetail has worked hard to maintain integrity and quality and I think that this is just no exception yeah they've scaled well I would say uh, good way to put it yeah, yeah. you're right um, yeah because I think I think their beer is still pretty good. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have as much experience with them early on in their mm. uh, trajectory as you do, but uh, but yeah, I I thought the beer was very good. I thought all the movies we watched were very good. What I mean, episode. look, I'll be surprised if there's an all horror October selection. That I, I almost feel like next one of these times we need to throw ourselves a horror film that we either know that we don't like or. <laughs> Or that we have a you sense. You want to inflict want, like, pain upon me? You know, but I just, I, I we'll want to We'll see what prove, happens next week. Th- let's do all let's There do are all bad horror, horror films. I, I don't know. I feel, I feel like we need to stumble upon one of them. Well, when you're doing the canon, and, and I would say Evil Dead 2, uh, Evil Dead 1, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know that the fan favoritism is there. It's kind you of underhanded. You know that the reputation it's, is yeah. there. We're yeah. just hitting the highlights of the horror It's genre. more likely to come when For we sure. do these new releases. The That's new right. ones, it could happen. It could so, happen. I don't know. We're doing Halloween Kills next week, and we still have not decided on what we're pairing it with, but that is okay. We will figure it out. And as you know, the best thing about beer and movies is that the conversation does not stop when the episode ends. Can't it, stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop, as the great Miley Cyrus once said. Uh... It continues on all of your favorite social media channels. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Beer Movie Show, Instagram at Beer and Movie, Facebook.com slash Beer and Movie TX, Beer and Movie Podcast.com. Not only has 
all the things that you need to listen to our entire back catalog of episodes, but it also has mm-hmm. this incredible beer map where you can see all the different breweries we've tried, where they're located, what beers we've had from, how many countries we've had beers from, because we're worldwide. Yeah, we're posting on Facebook a horror movie review every single day, an archive review. 31 days of beer in a movie. I think today's or yesterday's was Sahara, Sahara the most horrific the film we've ever seen. Allegedly. <laughs> Uh, should have won an Oscar. Um, <laughs> and we are going to talk about various and sundry other things. Uh, yes, we drink some beer. Yes, we talk about some movies. Um, but we also talk about a great many other things on our Patreon, the After Hours episode, which normally you'll hear us mention throughout uh, the main episode. We didn't really do it this week. But patreon.com slash beer and movie podcast. $5 a month gets you a bonus episode every single week and also lets you do things like program the episodes that we record and give out to you, like what happened this week. Kyle Ferguson, Patreon member. He and all of the other people that are on our Patreon throughout all of their suggestions for what films we should do, what pairings we should do. Uh, and we settled on two. We put it up to a vote. This is what won. And so that's why this week's episode is what it is. Um, and, you know, we very much want to do more things like that in the future. We really, really like getting those feedback, interacting and everything like that. So Patreon is Get really in there. the best place for that to happen. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review and subscribe. We know you're going to give us that five-star rating, but leaving a written review tells what you like, what you don't like, what you want to see more of in the future. That really helps us out a lot. Helps the algorithm do what it do. And we will see you next week with Halloween Kills and an undisclosed second film. We'll see where we land on that. What another... Another horrific episode of Beer in a Movie. A, a comically horrific episode of Beer in a Movie. Until next time. We are the things that were and shall be again. We want what is yours. Life. Life.